0: This is the Sandman Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're discussing the Sandman Chapter 8, Playing House. So, I'm asleep right now. I'm dreaming. Yes, and I should like to know how it is you found me.
1: I heard you talking about my brother. Is he here? No. Do you know where he is? No.
0: But I think he might be with one of my missing nightmares. She's a nightmare? What would she want with Jed? I don't know. But I have a feeling it has something to do with you. Welcome back, fellow dreamers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and this is the Sandman Podcast. We're discussing the Sandman, Chapter 8, Playing House. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome. Yes, no Chris, Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, uh, today. Um, But it is just Derek and myself uh, looking at Chapter 8 of the Sandman. Yes, Yes. we will be giving our spoiler-filled discussion on this episode. Yeah,
1: yeah, unfortunately Chris isn't feeling uh, great at the moment and we're going away on holiday in a few days time. So, um we don't have time to uh, to wait for it to feel better unfortunately. Sorry Chris. Yeah,
0: sorry Chris. Hope you
1: get better soon.
0: Yeah. Um yes, if you are joining us for the first time, please uh, head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe on any dreamlike or nightmarish podcast catcher mm-hmm. of your choice. If you want to send in your thoughts, theories, or discussion points, uh, please send in your feedback by email to feedback at
1: tvpodcastindustries.com. Absolutely. We've been loving hearing the feedback about, uh, about Sandman overall. Um, even if you're watching it through for a second or third time, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the entire series. We've got three more episodes to go after this one, so uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts as we get to the closeout of the season, and hopefully we get confirmation of a second season then uh, by the end yes. of our coverage of Sandman.
0: Let's all dream it, Mm I guess. Yes, definitely. definitely. And it will happen. Lord Morpheus will
1: make it happen. Yes. (laughs) Or Lord Lord Netflix. uh, Yes, Lord Lord, Netflix, of course. Or Lord Lord Gaiman, who I know has lots of stories that he wants to tell in the second, third, and fourth, (laughs) and fifth seasons. So uh, hopefully we'll hear something very soon.
0: Yes. Fingers crossed, legs crossed, toes crossed, arms crossed, Mm -hmm. you name it. Rub that old rabbit's foot for sure. Uh, but <laughs> let us get in to our discussion of the eighth episode of Sandman. Mm-hmm. Derek, uh, what are some of the episode details?
1: Well, executive producers for the show are Alan Heinberg, <gasps> Neil Gaiman and <gasps> David S. Goyer. <laughs> the episode was written by Alexander Newman-Wise. Uh, this is his first episode of Sandman, but he was a staff writer on the courtroom drama for The People starring a young Regis jean Page, or should I say pre, pre-massive fame Regis jean Page from yes. uh, Bridgerton.
0: The Bridget and Buttocks, mm. uh, I believe, yes. <laughs> I,
1: think, I think that's, that's uh, one of the things he's known for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> amongst others. Exactly, exactly. And this episode, once again, was directed by Andreas Beaz, uh, who directed episode seven as well. And John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Sandman chapter eight, Playing House? Sure.
0: In Dream's Palace, and despite Rose's potential threat to the Dreaming and Lucien's protests... Morpheus agrees to help Rose locate Jed in her dreams, and tells her to continue her search in the waking world, with help from his raven Matthew. During the day, Rose and the other guests at the Bed and Breakfast post signs around Cape Kennedy to get information about Jed's location. As Rose and Hal distribute the leaflets, they attract the attention of none other than the Corinthian, who has learned about Rose's location from Unity Kincaid after posing as a journalist interested in her experience with the sleepy sickness. But recognising Matthew with Rose, he sets in motion a new plan to find Jed and draw Rose to him. Meanwhile, Lyta is continuing to see her dead husband, Hector, in her dreams, and is reunited with him in the Dreaming. Hector attempts to convince Lyta to stay in the Dreaming and have a baby with him. When Lyta wakes up, she is visibly pregnant. Mm. That night, Morpheus and Rose travel through the dreams of the guests, eventually crossing into Jed's dreams, which Galt has manipulated to provide an emotional escape from his abusive foster father. Morpheus rebukes and punishes Galt for stepping outside her duties, though Galt maintains that she disobeyed because she believed it was in Jed's best interest. Galt believes that nightmares can change, and even they can dream. But Morpheus does not relent in his position, and banishes Galt to the darkness. Shouting for Rose after waking up from his dream, Jed is unexpectedly rescued from his uncle's house by the Corinthian. Little does he know that his foster parents lie
1: murdered by his saviour, who has plans to ensnare his sister. Death and destruction following once again in the, uh, the wake of the Corinthian, wherever he goes. <laughs> Just
0: a bit, yes. <laughs> he he uh, certainly got a few new eyeballs to
1: his collection in this episode. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, we go in and chat about our top moments from the episode, John.
0: Yes. Uh, first up, mm-hmm. yes, Rose continues her search for Jed in her dreams and in the waking world as well. Mm. I mean, the episode really kicks off with her and Morpheus after she has come into the, his realm. Yeah. And uh, this, th- this is kind of a wonderful moment where you know, Morpheus almost seems kind of, it's almost like an academic interest mm. uh, in Rose being the vortex, um, but tells her that she is the dream vortex And to keep up the search for her brother in the waking world. Whereas he will come to her dreams to Mm -hmm. help. And any leads that may have formed during her investigations in The Waking World. Yeah. But I think he does also believe that Galt is responsible here yes. for uh, Jed effectively
1: missing in action in The Dreaming World. Yeah, he's been cut off from The Dreaming World. And and really, the power that Galt has sends like it's likely that it's going to be here that... Uh... That is responsible for yes. it, for him gone. I uh, also like that uh, that Morpheus sends along uh, Matthew to keep an eye on on Rose in the waking world as well. I think that's a, a really good touch because it leads to a great ongoing joke of uh, of Rose not being able to tell the difference between crows <laughs> and ravens because <laughs> she keeps seeing blackbirds and going, uh, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is really good. Yeah, it was really good.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, no this this was um, this was really good. I mean, eventually. You know, she, all the housemates as well from from Hal's uh, bed and breakfast mm. help her out distributing um, leaflets to a- asking about the whereabouts of Jed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see um, that Lisa is. Loving her sleeping at the moment. Yes, um, she, is. she is enjoying what's going on in in her dreams mm-hmm. with her dead husband. Yeah. Um uh, effectively ghost sex, I guess, is what's happening. I dream think that's sex. how she describes it. Yeah. Um, or dream sex, mm-hmm. yes. But it's uh yeah, she she's kind of a bit out of it here. I mean she does yeah. help, but she's in a sense she's she's having a lie in, really, because yeah. her, her dreams are are so personal mm-hmm. to her, and um, with them being all about Hector, and effectively this This world that he has created yeah. and this you know this this house that is based on designs that they both brought up and mm-hmm. um, that they were going to do as architects yeah. uh, and so on, and he's built this in the dreaming he's made some modifications and, and so on, yeah. so a really kind of interesting moment here that you know in a sense her dreams are becoming more vivid more realistic mm-hmm. um with her dead husband that yeah. she obviously misses uh very very
1: much absolutely and there's even that moment that he says to her that he doesn't he doesn't feel like he's a dream at all because when she wakes up he's still there and he still works and he still uh, builds this house for her effectively so uh, that's quite interesting that uh that he um he isn't disappearing at the end of the dream so he feels like he's kind of still there connected to her
0: yeah, um, and, all, and just a
1: proper grand design on
0: house, that yeah, house. Definitely. Is amazing, yeah definitely yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. And uh, it's also you know sort of the inquisitiveness, you know, from Lysa. What do you do in the dream? You know, right. as he, this is before he shows everything that he's been doing. But included in this is is a nursery. Mm. Um, you know, it was their dream, and he he's looking to convince her yeah. uh, to stay with him in in the dream, which you know. I guess Lita possibly has some, um, you know, she 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 probably has some desire to to do that in 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 many respects, mm-hmm. but you know, she does ask the the question that would be on the tip of probably most people's mind. Well, but there's the real world that I have to get back to, yeah. you know, it because ultimately it's about saying sleep forever. It's almost yeah. like the sleepy sickness, in a sense.
1: Basically, yeah. So she, he's trying to ask her to choose that, uh, effectively. But yeah. uh, you may have just hit on something there, John, that there is a desire within uh, Lighter to do this. And it's a temptation uh, to stay there with her husband.
0: Or maybe. Mm. You may you may have
1: just hit on something there. I don't uh, know. Yeah. If have. it is, it's purely by accident. Yes, yes. But that's, that's the, the nature of, of what's happening in the show. It should be sparking these ideas in you um, but that's one of the dreams and we do see that that rose um goes into all of the dreams of her housemates um she does see uh Lysa and hector together uh yes. in, in their dreams and will we go through the dreams of the of the fa- of the the new family of rose um because i think there's some really interesting stuff in here yeah um some of these dreams more important than others, but dreams tend to reveal a side of uh, yourself from the waking world that you may want to keep hidden. You know, Lita may not want to, may not have wanted Rose to know that she's sleeping with her dead husband in in a dream. You know, and don't think anybody uh, who's having a wet dream wants somebody else being inside it and seeing what's going on. Yeah. Um, so there's there's part of that. Uh, we see Hal, who uh, who we've seen uh, doing his drag show in the, in the previous episode. We see him and his uh, his counterpart, I guess, Dolly, um, on stage. And we get a nice horror moment, really, yes. because the boundary here between Hal and Dolly and their personas is blurred a bit. Um, what we have is uh, Dolly on stage singing to Hal in bed, and then she stops and says, this isn't my real face and rips it off and it's Hal underneath, understandably. And then she says, but this also isn't my real face and rips it off further and ends off with this skeletal form underneath it all yeah and, the, and
0: she even says i need more hands as though she's yeah. going to rip more off yeah. like the muscle and so just be the skeleton or something like yeah. that
1: it's it's almost like this conversation of well where where does dolly end and where does hal begin almost between uh, that's going on in in hal's dream um, I yeah. think it's a really interesting representation of, of, uh, of his character. You know, um, we hear a really interesting conversation between Rose and Hal about her, Rose saying, I kind of like it here. It's a really relaxed place to be. And Hal's kind of going, if someone told me that I could be on stage in Broadway, I would sell this house, say goodbye to these people and never think about them again. Don't ever give up on your dreams just to stay in a quiet place like this. Um, go and follow your dreams. So it's a really inspirational moment, but it's also a moment of loss for Hal. He's lost that identity that he could yeah. have had for himself. Had Absolutely. I, get that
0: I thought that was a really excellent counterpoint to Hal's dream. Mm-hmm. Is his waking world dream. In, in a sense, mm. I would probably say it's his desire to be on on uh, Broadway mm-hmm. and that his desire would m- lead him to that and to give up the the bed and breakfast that was left to him in his grandmother's will. Yeah, you know. So it, it's interesting. He, it's it is dreaming about what to do, but in a sense as well, there is that desire underneath. Again, it's it's that a bit like with episode six on with death. Mm-hmm. You see the connections between these different elements here in, in the same way. Um, that you you got between death and dream, uh, and so that was, but I really enjoyed that counterpoint. And yeah. um, you know, as Rose is saying, she she wants to go to grad school to become a writer. Uh, I, I I thought that was a really kind of poignant moment mm. for Hal, uh, in terms of. You know, that opportunity missed, but if it yeah. ever reared its head, he
1: would, he would take it in an instant. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love the, the joke almost from going, go there, write your book, write it now. So I'm still young enough to play <laughs> yeah, myself exactly, in the movie. Exactly. Uh, write it about me. Uh, I thought that was, thought that was really good, but I, I do like that kind of simmering anger that he's kind of ended off in this position because before, what you know of Hal is that he loves the people that he lives with. They're all family to him. He treats them all like this is their home and they're all the same residents, but he still knows that... He's had to give up on his dream to be here. So he's making the best of this situation. Yes. But it's not great situation. Exactly. Uh, also, uh, as we're going to go through the rest of the dreams of the other people that are in the household, just to note that the two of them have been out plastering the posters around, around town and they come back to the house quite early. It seems to be about eight or nine o'clock. I would guess now, not, not definite, but they come back home quite early after doing this uh, poster drop around the city, around the, the town and everybody in the house is already asleep. So, Just that, just keep that in mind because remember Lysa is on the same timeline, on the same pressure as Rose is and she slept in. And now everybody in the house is asleep early and dreaming Uh, quite considerable dreams. So these are all supposed to be indications of what Rose is doing to this household by being the vortex and being there. It's the
0: influence of Rose Mm -hmm. uh, in in that proximity and being the vortex. So what
1: is going on with Barbie and Ken here? Well, there's some kind of argument. Something's happened. Is Ken dreaming that Barbie thinks he's cheated on her? I I think so, yes. (laughs) So he's naked in the street and she's in an amazing sports car it seems yeah. like that's ken's dream yes. um, or ken's nightmare almost that uh, the two of them who are inseparable and have this great joke about the two of their names being uh being like the dolls um that he's yes. f- afraid that she will leave him or she will dump him for maybe something that he hasn't done at all because he's questioning why the hell is she in the car and not letting him in
0: yeah absolutely um and of course we've also uh we've mentioned this already with Lysa but it's that awkward moment where Rose walks in mm-hmm. on Lysa and Hector having ghost sex mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of like is spotted and right must get out of here and immediately move along, move along. <laughs> uh, hen, heads on into Zelda's yes. dream <clears throat>
1: Yes, and a really interesting one with Zelda because, again, the way we're introduced to Zelda and Chantal in the first episode, the the spider siblings or lovers or mother-daughter or, you know, is that nobody really knows anything about their history and who they are. And what we learn really here with with Zelda and what's going on with her is that this is how she's always been. And finally, she met someone like Chantal because nobody understood her in her world. Nobody understood watched the things she was interested in. Her parents wanted her to be a different type of person. Yeah. And she met Chantal, and the two of them now share this love of the macabre. And um, There's a great line in here, and it's definitely a, a Neil Gaiman uh, line from the book, where she describes the cemetery where we see Rose her the second time as the bone orchard, which I love. Yeah. Such a, an interesting description of a place that's really scary to a lot of people, but she finds... Um, a place of rest there she finds a a place of refuge there
0: refuge beauty Mm. yeah exactly is really good
1: Um, and one thing that's guiding rose through each of these dreams all the way along are actually these posters so we see the posters that she's been putting up for jed we see the the words being all mixed up in the first dream but we see that that's what guides her to the next place and then As she moves through the dream, she sees these posters everywhere, like the touch in the last one that when she's in Zelda's dream and going into the crypt, we see the poster on there. But we also see the the help note that uh, Jed wrote in in the real world appearing suddenly on that note saying, please help me in his handwriting. So uh, so a lovely touch that she's much more powerful traveling through everybody's dreams than uh, you would expect it to be, you know? Well, exactly. There is also that
0: moment as Morpheus meets her Mm. in in, uh, the dream where it suddenly opens up into this porpentine. Ah, yes. Which I'm not entirely sure what happened there, but it it seemed to be Uh that this is Morpheus explaining to Rose that, you know, this power for her to move between... Other people's dreams as the Vortex is also matched as much by um, being able
1: to dream herself of entire worlds. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we get to meet um, Lady Barbara and Martin Tenbones, um, comic book characters. Um, I was wondering how they'd bring this in here because it doesn't fit What's going on? And again, if you're watching along with the dreams, trying to pick things up for how the stories go in the future, which would, which would be what you'd normally see dreams used as in lots of other shows, dreams are used all the time in narrative storytelling. Of course, it's a great way to explore the character, but this bit doesn't fit, does it? This, uh, this Lady Barbara and Martin Tenbones on the quest for the porpentine because yeah. you don't know what the words are Martin Tenbones, this this monster looking character who's talking and speaking to Barbie about the quest. He looks like a kind of protector character, but doesn't really look like any kind of creature or animal that you've seen before. And then that's it. Cut we have no idea who they are. We never see them in the real world. We never have an interaction with Rose, with them. So uh, the explanation that we have here from Morpheus of these are other created worlds that um that Rose could have power over, could have dominion over, is a really interesting uh, description of it. I like that it was put here in the episode to give some kind of context for something that is completely out of context. Uh, yeah, we did see the character of Martin Tenbones before we saw him in the first episode. While we, when we saw the dreaming at its height of power, we saw Martin Tenbones on a ship uh, right at the start. So he is a member of the dreaming let's say uh, voiced here by lenny henry yes a frequent collaborator collaborator of uh, of neil gaiman um also going to be in i think uh nancy boys which is another adaptation of neil gaiman's uh, of neil gaiman's book uh, in the future uh, and also currently being seen in uh, the rings of power lord of the rings the rings of power which we're covering on tv podcast yep. industry as well so getting lots of lenny henry at the moment definitely um, really good but what did you think of the look can i ask of this Martin Tenbones creature at this moment. I know it probably came out of nowhere and doesn't make any sense right now, but um I, I
0: thought it I thought uh, Martin Tenbones looked really good. I mean mm. it looked like a, a massive bear, mm-hmm. but with like a mustache at the <laughs> yeah. front, in a sense. Yeah. And then the at the end you have you kind of have Lady Barbara with this sort of bright mm. light that she's going for. I'm guessing that's the um the Poppentine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It it was not entirely clear to me, yeah. but as I say, I what I took from this was as Morpheus were had come to guide her. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it was explaining to her because he had said to her that she was the vortex. Yes. Yeah. He was saying you have the ability to dream entire worlds mm-hmm. here. Yeah. A- and influence. Even
1: the the dreams from um the dream realm. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think it's important to have something like this in the show uh, in, in itself because if you fall back on everybody has a dream and when they have a dream it all makes complete narrative sense and connects into the story of the waking world. If you continue to have that all the time, then you lose what dreams are really like for most people. They're sorting out and cataloging and having dreams of adventure that you could never possibly have in the real world. Some people have really expressive dreams. Some things come absolutely out of nowhere. So by having it in here, it does give you a bit more of a sense of the dreaming and the yeah, vast scope yeah. of it. So we may see more. Hopefully we'll see more of Martin Tenbones and, and Lady Barbara and their quest uh, in the future. But uh, it does come out of nowhere and I just wanted to quickly have a, have a chat about it. So I'm glad you enjoyed at least the quick see that we got. But it is supposed to come out of nowhere and make no sense right now. Yes. So, there you go.
0: <laughs> but this, this guide um, of Morpheus, they ultimately end up in suburbia. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see Rose having come into... Um, jed's dream yeah that is it, it, it's almost like a, a sub dream world of so that's why it's disconnected mm-hmm. but we, we we see at the start Jed. And being, uh, tasked by his mum to, to take on the Pied Piper mm-hmm. and the rats, all the children gone from the suburbs. Yeah. And, um, so we see him there as the Sandman using a pouch of sand to mm-hmm. be able to whisk in and, and so on. And so here we have Rose and Morpheus coming in. And of course, then Galt, who is, who looks like Jed's mother mm-hmm. sees Morpheus in their kind of control room that she's directing operations. Yeah. You know, this is almost like um, Alfred the Butler exactly. um, for for Batman. Yeah. You know, but for the Sandman, yeah. and she's helping Jed to to take on these these different foes yeah. uh, to protect people. Yeah. And um, this, I thought, was just really good how this whole thing kind of played out once they're in Jed's dream, mm-hmm. you know, um, which was, at firstly, it was just really nice for them to, to meet, you know, Rose has finally found her her brother, yeah. but it's not in the waking world. It's in the dream world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you see Galt as their mother come in and you hear Morpheus talking mm-hmm. um, you know Jed is immediately afraid for his mother yes um, you know? exactly which yeah. I, I really like that kind of spin rose yeah. having to effectively try and um say you know this isn't the real world jed yeah. you know he he doesn't know that um and also it's the first indication that Morpheus is a bit of a douchebag
1: uh, well, as well. Yeah, because Rose has been trying to find Jed and the arrangement that she made with Morpheus was that I'll look, in, in, look for him in the waking world, you look for him in dreaming, and we'll come together, pool our resources, and then I'll find my brother. They pull their resources and all Morpheus is concerned with is getting guilt out of the dreaming, pulling her back uh, to, to the dream realm from where she's been for the last hundred years, possibly doing this to multiple people over the years. Um, but she's been focusing on Jed Creating this idea of him being like Morpheus, being the Sandman of this world, yes. being the one that has that power. And what's interesting about that, in case you don't know, that version of the Sandman was the original version of the Sandman before Neil Gaiman came along, took the character from DC and turned him into Morpheus. The character of the Sandman did exist in comics and had those powers that Jed is using. So a callback to the DC Comics version of uh of Sandman. I think uh, he last appeared in the seventies, um, but. It's a little, it's a little touch, a little, yeah, it's a great little touch. And it makes sense to to do it that way, um, to have Jed being the Sad Man here. Also, little touches because just to call out again, people have been saying constantly throughout the season, isn't it awful that this show is completely disconnected from the DC universe? So we don't get appearances from the Justice League in the show like we did in the first couple of issues of the comic book. Here we had our appearances of the Justice League. We had The Flash, we had Batman, and we had Wonder Woman statues or collectible figures all surrounding uh the the yeah. console where uh where gold was sitting so uh so the dc universe does exist in here but they may just exist the same way that it exists in our world where uh where kids buy toys of them
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> i think as well it's you know it as you say it's that notion that morpheus once he has found gold is looking to take um, them back it's mm-hmm. almost as though he's then not interested yes in anything else it is to his conversation with Lucienne about using Rose to draw in these these entities. Yeah. Um and it seems as though Gold is actually a really powerful nightmare because she's she's managed to in effect separate Jed from Morpheus's power. Yeah. Um, a, an ability to watch a, a, and know what's going on yeah. in the dream world almost creating as as you say a separate dream world, so mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting yeah I, and I love the design of Galt as well, but oh,
1: it's fabulous when when uh, when they change back from um from being their mother yeah uh, the look is is amazing it's
0: really cool but here we have Galt... And um, being taken back mm. to um, Morpheus's palace, yeah. But also, then it's just and then Jed w- wakes up. It's there's no real thought for Jed exactly uh, at all by Morpheus. And <laughs> um, so it's really interesting because you know we, we say how this this season it, is split mm-hmm. in into two separate storylines, and yet with Episode Six, it was very much about. Uh, Morpheus reconnecting uh-huh. with with humanity or at least understanding them yeah. uh, and realizing that they have worth and mm. then it seems like this is discarded here in many respects, and maybe it's just simply because he's still smarting from being held captive mm. that he wants order back in his realm, and these are outstanding problems for him mm-hmm. but it, it was kind of a it, it felt like he hadn't fully learned um the 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 message yes. that death was trying to give him yeah made.
1: it's it's a journey um let's say morpheus is on the road he's on the journey but the way he's seeing this here is that uh gold is living outside of the dreaming and exploiting a human she's exploiting jet she's living off him Golt is, is protecting herself saying that I'm doing this for his protection. He's being horribly abused by his foster father. And if I wasn't giving him these dreams and he was just in the land of the dreaming, he could be experiencing all those fears in his dreams. He could be going through nightmares all the time, having to deal with what's going on with the abuse of his, of his, uh, of his father or stepfather. Um, so that's her, that's her version of the story. But don't forget Morpheus is saying, um, Dreams allow people to experience those issues and deal with them in a way and and they allow them to be protected. So by severing her from his dreams and taking jed back into the dreaming he may be able to deal with his with his horrible experiences in a better way but having him be a superhero in this dream over and over again isn't actually helping him that's just what you think is happening guilt basically yeah uh, but you're right the severing of of the dream just before rose gets the full information from jed as to where he is at least she gets enough information to find him or find the location of him Um it's interesting that's almost exactly what happened with joanna constantine when uh Dream was looking for his helm from the demon, and Joanna Constantine threw the demon back to hell before Morpheus could interrogate him and yes. get that information. So it's almost like he's doing something that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't want anybody else to do. So yes, you uh, would have, you he should have held on for two more seconds while uh, while uh, Rose got that information from Jed.
0: Yes, definitely. Mm. I mean, I think we should bring it on to to gold as yes, well here yep. in back in the 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 dream realm because mm-hmm. i actually really really love this i love the challenge that Galt did to to morpheus yeah um you know th- this notion that as you say she did it because it protected jed from uh, gave him hope in a sense um because of all the abuse that his foster father um barnaby was was doing to him and mm-hmm. you hear the threat of him having his all his bones yeah. broken being locked down in the cellar and um, and that you know galt was looking to build jed's dreams and not a nightmare in order to inspire and not frighten him and the idea that galt wanted to change and mm-hmm. um, didn't want to just be a nightmare to terrorize um uh, people and that you know wanted to become a a, a dreamer to create dreams um and that that was gold's dream effectively was to be able to change and you know morpheus is literally has none of it it's this is your role this is your function Mm. and no you can't change and He's just absolutely adamant. He is blinkered in that sense as to Mm -hmm. what is being told, even with Lucienne there. And it causes, you know, a a tension within that relationship as Lucienne says, Well, I had to change when Mm -hmm. you were gone. Um, and and take on new responsibilities and roles which seems to annoy him even further Mm -hmm. Uh, and he kind of gets a bit uppity with Lucienne even so this is almost illustrative of Morpheus being really possessive of and controlling about what he does Mm -hmm. It, it is purely about um like his, his control and, and banishes Galt with, because of almost this heresy to yeah. his, his viewpoint, yeah. um, to the darkness. Yeah. Uh, and I, but even then, Galt is steadfastly defiant, uh, ag- against this, um, uh, arrogance really yeah. of, of the Sandman, um, to say, you know, I'm not afraid to go to the doctors. Um, mm-hmm. like other dreams and nightmares yeah. that have been banished. So, I just thought this was re- really exceptional. I really love the concepts, just the performance of it, all mm-hmm. of it, and the connection with Jed. You know, you thought there was something really awful going on. Yeah, Galt was Jed's hope mm-hmm. and an inspiration here. Um, and Morpheus acts like a complete douchebag. <laughs> I could use stronger words, but it's PG podcast. Yes. You know what I mean. Yes. So it's like uh, I just thought this was like really good. And again, just the characterization then of the Sandman, you know, you think he's going to be more open, more reciprocal to everything that's happened mm-hmm. here. Um Yeah. Certainly because it involved a human and Galt was actually being protective. Yeah.
1: Again, well, again her description of it. And, and it's really important. I'm not defending Morpheus or anything like that. It's really important you to remember. Are, I reckon. <laughs> he is the Lord of Dreams and Nightmares. That is his role. He has that dual role. It's not that he's a good guy all the time that makes humans happy. He is, he knows there's a reason for both things. It's important for people to experience and go through things. Um, and he feels that there is a therapeutic element of going through a nightmare. What is, really concerning with him is him thinking that he's the creator of everything in his realm and none of them can change and he has two examples standing right in front of him one Lucienne, who stood up and became the lord of dreams while he wasn't there and the other one Gult, who wants to be anything other than nightmare we've also met another earlier on in the season we met gregory the gargoyle who was created as a nightmare and became a really lovely uh lovely gargoyle living with uh living with cain and abel so right here morpheus is wrong Yes. It's you're you're you are correct in that. Morpheus is wrong in his opinion, but this is his opinion and he's going to force it down the throat of yeah. everybody. Exactly. In the argument with Galt there, she's telling him the reason why everybody left was they didn't stay here because they loved you and would keep the realm going with you missing. They all left because you were no longer here and when you came back, they came back because they were f- yes. afraid you would punish them all yeah. for staying away. So, he's been holding the whole realm together for millennia now. Because people fear if they go away from he is the realm, a dictator. he'll He is exactly. a monarch
0: of his realm. yeah, And, um, yeah, a complete authoritarian. I mean, even the Corinthian is evidence of change mm-hmm. within um, the dream. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. in terms of wanting to act it out in the waking world yeah. as opposed to the dream world. Yeah, I'd probably be chasing the Corinthian den
1: much quicker than I was going yes. after gold. And I mean, if he does this to Galt, what is he going to do to the Corinthian? Oh, Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure we'll find that out uh, later on in the season. But will we uh, Will we go on from Galt? Is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, with Galt at all? Nope. Uh, not from my side. Mm-hmm. I think we should move
0: on to the Corinthian.
1: Yes. Um,
0: again, just lovely creepiness from mm. the Corinthian. Um
1: and it's not really explained in the show and and i've said before corinthian we see more of him here in the tv show than we saw in the in the comics he's kept to the background until they want to make a big scary moment with him, him coming out and killing people around him you know here we're getting a bit more of him but it seems that he does have a kind of a superpower type attractiveness to people it feels like every time he talks to someone they instantly listen and instantly want to be with them uh we see that with two characters here we see that with hal when he yeah. walks up to hal hal is instantly going oh i want his number yes uh, and then or give him my number to rose and we also see it when he goes to the foster uh, care agent who was completely ignoring rose and lighter when they came to her she was uh pretty rude to the idea at least of of giving rose any kind of information i know she can't do it. miss Rubio. Uh, Rubio, yes, yes. Uh, and then when lighter came in she uh, she had a conversation with her, but again, wasn't very friendly. But it seemed like she was very open when Corinthian walked in through the door. And then, unfortunately, it led to, uh, well, uh, her last moments, um, at least her last moments with the eyes. Yes, and you yeah. hear the crunch of the eye mm-hmm. as it's uh,
0: devoured by the the mouth eyes, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Paul Miserubio, um I guess, constrained by the the rules and the law book as to what you can and can't do but ultimately i really like the shorthand of of the corinthian making his way to cape kennedy Mm -hmm. and you know via unity kincaid then seeing rose you know he can see her almost touch her he's probably and you know, almost being drawn to her her power. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet Matthew being there, he suddenly is kind of, you know, oh, right, better go, yeah. uh, can't be
1: spotted by him. Because Morpheus will see me, basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and comes up with this, you know, new approach mm-hmm. after speaking with Hal um, to effectively get to Rose through Jed yes. by rescuing jed you know weirdly this this brutal uh, murderer mm-hmm. is the savior of jed uh, you know the the person that you want to escape the confines of the the cellar mm-hmm. from the brutality of his uncle barnaby the ineffectiveness of his aunt um is strangely rescued by the corinthian i but i love how when he comes up from the cellar jed you know everything's in a bit of chaos mm-hmm. and you see corinthian coming to the end of the hallway as jed's making his way to the door sort of putting a bloody rag into his back pocket yeah but effectively you know sweet warm words here of your sister sent me yeah. you know and you know for jed this guy is is his savior yeah um is the person that's going to get him out of this house and mm-hmm. out and away
1: from his um from his uncle barnaby yeah yeah kind of glad to see uh, Barnaby lose his eyes um, in this episode. And, you know, again, you don't have to focus on it. You don't have to see what Corinthians done to them. I mean, we know enough now, oh, now yeah. about what Corinthians has done to have an idea that he went through a very painful death.
0: Oh, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the only issue is that for the Corinthian, he doesn't necessarily care that much for
1: Jet. Well, exactly, exactly. Unless, it is. Of course, it, if it gets him what he wants, which is to have access to Rose... He will be the most protective version of Jed. That oh, we, absolutely!
0: That we yeah. In this moment, but his yes. goal is Rose.
1: Absolutely! Um, what a great choice for the music on the end of uh, of the big bad wolf as they drive down uh, drive down the highway away from uh, from where Jed was. Yes. So yeah. uh, just showing that he has the big bad wolf uh, in the car with him, uh, which is a good a good little touch there. And Rose gets to the house because in the dream with Jed, he's. Given her the information of Barnaby and Clarice and the the fact that they live in this homeland estate. So she's been able to search where where he would have been, gets there too late and finds the murder scene with, uh, with both of them dead. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. no sign at all of Jed. So she's lost all of her leads, all that work that she did with Morpheus to get um, yeah. to get Jed through the land of the of the Dreaming has ended off not working out at all for her. So she's got nothing left now. She's got yeah. no more no more connection and no connection to Morpheus being able to help her out again next time.
0: Exactly. So. I think the other thing on this point with Corinthian that I really quite liked as well was seeing Jed write the note that he tries to get to Miss Rubio when she comes mm-hmm. to visit, you know, when Light has kind of convinced her to at least check in on the him, see jet, how yeah. he's doing. Yeah. And you think it's been successful mm-hmm. and you see the Corinthian arrive, um, into Miss Rubio's office as she's looking through her, her bag mm-hmm. and to disrupts her, you know, and yeah. takes her attention away from what she's doing. And you're thinking, no, the notes in there and yeah. you're about to die. Um, but then you realize that Uncle Barnaby has intercepted yeah. the note. So in a sense, it is in many respects other than rose getting to him first this is then the quickest way for for jed to to escape the horrors of that foster home Mm -hmm. but i just like that that touch of how the sequence of events went Mm -hmm. it's really Um, good isn't it because it makes it
1: it makes you kind of really um scared for miss rubio when the lock comes the door, and you are going. Oh no, poor Jed! He won't be able to get that exactly. note He'll get out there. But maybe somebody else will find the note. Is what you are kind of thinking. Hopefully, not the Corinthian. And then you find out that uh, that Barnaby has already found it, and uh, Jed is about to get really badly punished for that. Yeah, so, and of course, the um, Corinthian finds Jed through the eyes of yes. Miss Rubio and the, so, and the files on the table as well. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> Good stuff. Any uh, any notes for the episode? Anything else you wanted to call out that we haven't talked about?
0: Um just um, from my side. You know, we mentioned about Lysa, um, that at the end when she wakes up, mm-hmm. um, she is pregnant in the real world, mm-hmm. uh, not just in the dreaming, That's which harsh. is, um, to me, kind of confirms how I thought Unity Kincaid became pregnant effectively right. yeah. because of her dreams I guess she was going through all the emotions and all different aspects of her life as mm-hmm. as she she grew older uh, asleep. Yeah. So this was
1: part of the the reason. Very good, John. Yes, yes, that's, uh, that's that could absolutely be it. Uh, still no firm explanation for it, but yes, Eunice Kincaid became pregnant while asleep, uh, just like Lysa has become pregnant here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or, or maybe even just she has some similar abilities to Rose Mm. at at being related in some ways, or, you know, the dream vortex is strong in my family, you know, kind of little star Warsy, uh, (laughs) here. I don't know, but again, it's a better explanation in this story Mm -hmm. than one of an orderly coming in. I, so, uh, and raping, raping her while she's asleep in hospital. So, um, I I thought that was a you know a good touch to bring in. Here. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely because that's never been discussed. That's not um that's not the connection to this family at all. We we have Rose as the vortex now. Uh, great-granddaughter of uh, of Unity Kincaid. So, uh, now we have a little bit more explanation. See, as the, as the show goes on, all this stuff builds, as we've said before. Uh, I just had one moment I wanted to talk about, because it made me laugh, uh, which was Barbie and Ken, uh, who constantly joke about their names being Barbie and Ken, uh, who are about to go out and hang out with Cindy, the realtor. <laughs> uh, their best friend, they're going to hang out with her all day. C- Excellent. Cindy is the uh, English version of uh, of Barbie. Uh, it was the product replacement uh, in the UK. <laughs> Not really. That sounds terrible. But uh, it was the English doll that was Yes, that was done to sell, uh, sell dolls uh, along the same time as Barbie. So um, so I love that they have a friend called Cindy. Yes, perfect. Good stuff. Uh, overall, what did you think of the episode, John? I uh, really, really
0: uh, enjoyed this episode. Mm. I thought it was really tense. Uh, I'd give this four and a half ghostly rumpy pumpies out of five. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I thought Galt was just... It was a really good storyline mm. uh, with young Jed. Um, it really made... You know, with what Jed was going through at the hands of his uncle Barnaby and, as I said, the effective and the ineffectualness of his aunt Clarice Mm -hmm. just really made um, both Jed and Galt's story really poignant here. Um, I really enjoyed Morpheus and Rose coming together and then just seeing that. Morpheus maybe hasn't adopted some of the things or taken on board some of the things that, um, his, his sister Death has said in the past. As you say, I think that's a good point. It's a journey. He's still, it's not like he's suddenly changed overnight, yeah. but I, I just like, like this because it, it really, um, was not a morpheus that i i could uh sort of go with really Mm -hmm. so god only knows what my dreams are going to be like in the next 24 (laughs) hours if uh if he does exist in the real world Um, Uh and so i but i really enjoyed that um and seeing rose travel through her um housemate's Dreams, mm-hmm. you know, from the bed and breakfast, as well, oh, just yeah. really, really good, so yeah. yeah, and the corinthian is is just a fantastic boogeyman, yes. really, all the way through, and um, to me boyd Holbrook um just has the same energy and vibe and persona on screen as Anthony Starr does as Homelander to some mm-hmm. extent, like I just. But in in, in it, with a different vibe, mm. with a different rationale behind it. Just he's just so frightening, right? Yes, yep. a, as a concept, he's attractive, he's uh-huh. charming, he's manipulative. Everything that would allow you to let your guard down mm-hmm. around him, and as he's also murderous, <laughs> and that's where Absolutely. it hits you. Dare I say it? between the eyes or in both of the <laughs> eyes and um, yeah you know so he's a terrifying character mm-hmm. he's, and played absolutely to a plumb by boyd holbrook
1: absolutely yeah totally and and i think that's the thing because we as an audience have seen what he does to everybody and he tends not to nobody else knows that that's him doing those murders so uh so us seeing him interact with anybody you're going oh how oh, would would don't let him in the door he may he may take you out yeah, next or exactly. you know, you have that nervousness for everybody he bumps. In. Exactly. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I'd give this four and a half ghostly rumpy pumpies out of five. Excellent.
1: Derek, uh your thoughts on chapter eight. I'm really glad you enjoyed this one. Um that's that's my first my first thoughts on this. Uh I really enjoyed it as well. I think doing these kind of moments and taking the story uh to these places where Rose is travelling through the dreams of all of her housemates, and you're seeing kind of different versions of how dreams are playing out. And some are really complex, like uh, what is going on with Martin Tenbones and and uh, and Lady Barbara. What's that all about? Or why are we suddenly back in time with Zelda uh, and her memories of Chantal? And why is she standing up in front of a, an audience saying that she's in love with a sentence? You know, Um this is why why I love Sadman as a as a comic book. It's not a strict narrative from start to finish. And the other element that's brought in here and brought very much to the forefront is Sandman isn't the hero of this story either. Morpheus is the person that the whole thing is pinned on because we're talking about dreaming uh, as a, as a concept, but he's not the hero. He's not the person that you go to when you have a problem. He's the one that is responsible for all dreams, all yeah. nightmares. So he has that really complex side to me is a great character yeah. himself. And, uh, The moments here where he's being challenged by Lucienne, who we've grown to really like as the season's going has been going on uh, the put upon uh, help effectively, who was left in charge for a 100 years. And now she's banished back to the library by uh, by Morpheus. You know, we're seeing how cruel and brutal he can be because it's his way or the highway. And while he was away, every single member of the Dreaming chose to leave apart from four or five people chose to run away and and took the highway effectively so and now they're all back so hearing that about him getting that side of the story being told here in this episode is really good it is definitely supposed to be watched as these four episodes back to back together as an arc because we're setting up the big storyline of what's going on with Rose the Vortex and those are that part is being drip fed to us throughout these four episodes so yeah definitely uh, so it's a good episode Uh, really enjoyed it but I'm sure most people are watching this as a four episode arc together yeah Definitely. Um good stuff. Um well, fellow dreamers, that's our thoughts
0: on chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Uh let us get into some of your own thoughts with our feedback section. Yeah. Uh just a quick reminder, you can send in any thoughts to feedback at TV dot com, or you can join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries, where we put up a spoiler Post uh, for each episode of the sandman so we'd love to hear your thoughts Uh, and first off on chapter seven uh, we have some feedback from victor von doom victor says greetings dreamers yes desire definitely reminds me of loki (laughs) just like loki desire seems to always have a co-conspirator this time in despair Rose and Unity were portrayed beautifully. Mm. The collectors, or these ghouls, uh, in general, were very unnerving. The casual way they discussed their proclivities as business as usual was really, really disgusting. Mm-hmm. As a fan of Broadway shows, I really loved Hal's Ethel Merman stage routine. Jed's Fosters were a disappointment. Just a Hoping Dream has plans for Barnaby. More Joanna Constantine, please. Nighty-night dreamers. Uh, Yeah, thanks so much, Victor. Um, Yes, uh, really would like to see more Joanna Constantine for sure. I don't know whether we're going to get Joanna uh, in these remaining episodes. Um, But yes, nonetheless, uh, really would like to see her back. And yeah, Yeah. Dream should certainly have some plans for Barnaby. He's an absolute rotten. Well, uh, Victor... I don't think uh, that it's Dream, Mm -hmm. given what we just saw. Um, It is certainly Corinthian uh, that had plans for Barnaby. Although I would be really interested to have seen uh, Dream's sister arrive uh, on the scene to effectively sort of tell him to take the stairs downwards um, and take him on his way to meet uh,
1: Lucifer Morningstar. To see what's next, right? Um, exactly yeah that's what uh death would say to to barnaby um not sure if we're going to get Joanna Constantine again this season Um, I hope if we get a season two that they may be able to work her into, into some future stories it'd be kind of cool thanks for that Victor good to hear your thoughts on our chapter seven podcast we also got some feedback from uh, Lara Willie Swink on that podcast uh, Lara says wonderful episode gents you all had me in stitches with your repartee about IKEA resets of the dreaming and lethal walking canes I'm so pleased that I inspired John to read the comic books sorry Derek and also <laughs> pleased that I inspired a deep discussion of Crocs a product that was created and produced in my own home state of colorado thank you sin- sincerely for this truly excellent coverage though i'm fully enjoying it oh, thanks lara
0: yeah thanks so much lara um and thank you for inspiring me to read the comics once again uh really
1: good yeah you're adding to the inspiration yes. lara i'm sure uh john has always wanted to read them but pretended he didn't have the time and now you know <laughs> i know he has no further excuses I, that is so, true yeah that is true uh
0: <laughs> thanks so much lara uh, for chapter eight feedback, uh, Doctor Bob Phillips says this presentation of abuse constraint, then bloody enucleation, and the popping of a vitreous snack uh, hope is provided in the face of your creator, undeterred, and compare and contrast approaches to the mastery of dream through from the from the English ancient and the American teen made for a cracking watch can't believe there's only two well, two plus two halves left. we need more seasons uh mm-hmm. indeed we do uh dr Bob yes, we do. um yeah, actually, I hadn't really kind of taken on that idea of the the American teen dream through through jed mm-hmm. uh compared to Zelda's dream with that sort of gothic ancient uh sort of
1: graveyard and 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 so on, yeah, yeah really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff, Dr. Bob. Thank you very much for your feedback as well. Uh, We also got a piece of feedback in from Coffee and Vodka, who says, Greetings, fellow rat-ridden defenders. Another well-produced episode filled with nuance and quiet terror. The Terminator 2 reference, Have You Seen This Boy, was both laugh-out loud and chilling, furthering the endgame within endgames, which began last episode, started slow but swiftly built in pitch. The illegible writing within the dream was a nice touch. Hal once again elevated the show with his presence. Face on or off. Although my MVP this episode was Sam Hazeltine's Uncle Barnaby, rarely has cruel and brutal pettiness been more affecting or an on screen death less deserved an amazing acting feat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Totally. You really just dislike Uncle Barnaby.
1: Yeah 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 and that's that's a great uh role to play as an actor i'm sure Uh, even though it's really difficult to watch uh you gotta definitely respect the the acting chops of somebody that can get you to hate them that much when they're on screen uh Finally, Covey Vodka says, Seeing Martin Tembo made me wonder if we might see the cuckoo in future seasons, though it might have to be explained to John who that is. Just saying, Sandman's termination of the dream once he'd achieved his goal was perfectly in character, as was his out-of-hand dismissal of Galt's change of character and motive, though this too may be subject to change. Finally, the Corinthian riding off into the horizon with Jed let us know the fuse has officially been lit. Four and a half Halscapes... Dream conceptions and small sandmen out of five. Peace and take care of coffee and vodka. Interesting. Uh, coffee and vodka has provided you with a little nod uh, to something coming possibly in the future with the cuckoo. And I'm not spoiling anything now that you're going to read the comic <laughs> books. Uh, but yes, Martin Timbones will hopefully be seen again uh, if we get a future season of the show.
0: Yes. Uh, great stuff as well. Coffee and vodka. I do like your four and a half hell scapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is perfect in is. my eyes. Yep. Um and indeed, Hal very, very much, um, just missed a Halscape of his own if it he is. had, uh, gotten, uh, into the, the crosshairs of the Corinthian Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. Um, yes. I, I will probably go cuckoo, waiting for the cuckoo, uh, <laughs> to appear, um, as I try and weave my way through, uh, the Sandman, through, um the tv show uh mm-hmm. be interesting when i do get uh down to read the the comics which i I might do on holiday at you least must. the first few, um. So yeah. that will be that will be pretty good to get in uh, the. I, I have I would, a couple of
1: smaller volumes that we can carry with us. You don't have to bring the big tomes. No, uh, I, I wouldn't <laughs> be able to take it on the plane. That's uh, true. The, the plane, plane take wouldn't the full, take off exactly. Take up the full twenty kilos.
0: Um, and I think you're absolutely right around Sam Hazeldine's mm-hmm. Uncle Barnaby.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, really, really good.
0: And I miss the Terminator two reference actually as well.
1: We didn't call it eight. I definitely noticed it because I think we've seen the have have you seen this boy i think we've seen that uh, quite a lot in 2, which we watched again a couple of weeks ago so i, I definitely noticed uh, noticed the reference forgot to call it out but thanks so much coffee and vodka uh, for your thoughts
0: yeah thanks again coffee and vodka uh robert williams says on episode eight wow thank you so much for answering my last email Derek's explanation about the star of the story being the story itself is like putting in contact lenses to see the show in a much more interesting and clear way. And the collectors, the fact that they are just human serial killers, brings a certain sense of humour that made me laugh after watching it again. Well, the characters playing them are not the fact they kill people. Well, yes. (laughs) And makes me very curious where this storyline goes. Mm. Okay, a couple of things for eight. Jed, is he a dream vortex like his sister? And a very interesting ethics minefield for dream, navigating how to rescue or not rescue his creations and humans when he has the ability to do both. Mm -hmm. But should he? Great thought experiments, Mr. Gaiman and team. Last, thank you in advance discussing all the other things I had thoughts on but didn't know I had. (laughs) Stay well and thank you. Robert uh great thanks Robert, uh for for your feedback mm. there um yeah, I'm wondering the same thing about Jed as well, as mm. I say, whether the the dream vortex is strong in the Kincaid family, maybe you know yeah. uh maybe the, there's something there uh but I don't know. And um, Derek may not spoil it, of course.
1: Yeah. Um, for sure. I'm not, I'm not going to spoil that. What we do, all we know right now is Rose is the dream vortex is, is how she's been referred to. Uh, that one is one is born into, uh, into the world at a time. So it's like, it's like Buffy the vampire slayer. Um, just because she has a sister doesn't mean her sister's a, a slayer.
0: Well, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I think that, you know, I guess maybe that's to the point around the ethics of whether Dream should be saving Jed or, or or not. Um you know, it's in some ways it's not his role as um as you're saying, but I wonder if it becomes his role when you're dealing with his escaped nightmares like Galt and yeah. certainly the Corinthian. He did save Jed. He saved him from Galt. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah okay I I get it he did I I just thought if if Jed was say yeah that's true because he was disconnected from the dreaming yep uh, I was just thinking more Galt saving Jed from uh, the awfulness that was his foster home
1: yeah but he wa- like Galt wasn't putting Jed into a dreaming state and and protecting him he was still going through and suffering all of that abuse and and the point from uh, Morpheus is that because he was severed from his normal dream state, he's not able to process those feelings. He's having this experience of being punished and being uh, brutalized by his foster parents and then being taken off to this this land that isn't allowing him to process any of that because it's just goat feeding on this dreaming child. It's not doing anything for him at all. It's not giving him any kind of no, protection.
0: In and, and, and so, some yeah. ways, for the Sandman... He didn't save. He didn't save Jed either. Yeah. It was purely a, uh, a consequence of his actual motive, which was to bring his mm-hmm. um, misbehaving nightmares and and other entities yeah. from the dream world back. It just so happens Galt was connected with Jed, but yeah. it could have been Jack down the road. Yeah.
1: You know, it didn't have to be jet. Absolutely. And the fact that, he, as we say, the brutalness of him ending the dream before Rose getting any more information or or not having any more seconds there, it was literally, he was shutting down the dream and that's it, it's over. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. There you go. Thanks so much, Robert, uh, for your feedback as well. Hopefully we hear you, hear from you again for our next episode. episode Yeah, nine. absolutely. Thanks, Robert.
0: Uh, and thank you so much, fellow dreamers, uh, for joining mm-hmm. us for sending in your thoughts, uh, theories, and comments on Chapter 8. We really hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you enjoyed what you hear, uh, please, of course, uh, rate us, leave a review, and share the podcast with friends, family, and indeed your dreams. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love absolutely and um, you can of course subscribe to tv podcast com, and uh, you can support us over on patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries or buy me a coffee Com forward slash tvpi mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely and uh, if you've heard our other podcasts that we've been recording this week the Rings of Power and uh, and She-Hulk uh, which we which we recorded in the last week uh, we are going on holiday next week but we are hoping to get one more episode of the Sandman recorded before we go and you'll get that next week and uh, we'll be hopefully talking about the Sandman chapter 9 collectors uh, which you'll get this day next week uh, so that'll be something to listen to while we're away on holidays.
0: Yes absolutely uh, we will still be um, scheduling uh, whilst we are um, doing nothing and yes. relaxing, exactly. I guess. Exactly. Uh, Crossing
1: fingers that will all work out that way. So uh, if you if you don't hear our episode about collectors next week, uh, you'll hear it the week after when we get back from holidays because yeah. I'll have no way to put it up. Uh, exactly. If I haven't put it up before I go. Exactly. <laughs>
0: but we hope you'll be back with us next time mm. for our discussion of The Sandman, Chapter 9, Collectors. Yep. See you then. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Fellow dreamers, as always, a pleasure chit-chatting to you about the dream world i can't wait to speak with you again uh, but before then remember keep watching keep listening and keep dreaming nighty night
1: bye bye